Ezekiel chapter 37 is one of the most amazing visions that we read of in the Bible. Ezekiel was a prophet of God who was taken captive by the Babylonians, and he spends all of his prophetic ministry in the land of Babylon, convicting Israel of their sin and letting them know that it wasn't God's fault that they were in captivity, it was theirs. Now, after Babylon had completely destroyed Jerusalem, demolished the temple of God, Israel considered itself a dead nation. The king was overthrown, the people in exile, and God's nowhere in sight. And so bringing back Israel to the promised land would be like raising the dead. And that's what God tells Ezekiel he's about to do. Starting in verse 1, we read that the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Ezekiel is shown the metaphorical grave of Israel, and there's nothing to see but the bones of a rebellious nation. That we're told that these are dry bones tells us that they've been dead for a while. These are about as dead as could be. And God tells Ezekiel that he's going to make these bones live, and then commands him to prophesy, speak to the bones. And in verse 7, I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So the bones start getting a little organized. It's no longer just a pile of skulls and femurs, but we have them being joined together in their proper place. And then the flesh begins to appear. The dry bones have gone from shambles to something that looks more freshly dead, but then that's still just the problem. They're still dead. There's no breath in them. So God commands Ezekiel yet again. He said to me in verse 9, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. A body without a breath is still dead. So prophesy to it so it will enter the dead. Much like God breathed life into Adam in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And so in verse 10, I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. God explains that what we've just seen is what God is about to do to the nation of Israel. In verse 13, he says, You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. All of this happens, we're told, when God puts his spirit in his people. And the rest of the chapter goes on to show another symbol of two staffs being joined that represent the unification of the northern tribes of Israel with the southern tribe of Judah and Benjamin. God says that he is going to restore his people and he is going to put someone like David on the throne to shepherd his people. Mention of the spirit should make us pause for a moment. The Spirit of God is the active force that brings life to Israel, but we shouldn't just think the Spirit's work stops at the political situation of bringing them back into the promised land and giving her a king. Throughout the prophets, the Spirit is expected to have a transformative effect on God's people. Just as the Spirit was behind the creative force in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, now it's going to create something new within actual people. It's going to give them a new life and a new way of living. This relates to our reading from yesterday in Jeremiah chapter 31. How is God going to write the law on the hearts of his people? How is he going to ensure that all know who he is? Well, it all comes through the empowering, creative, and life-giving spirit of God. 
The New Testament writers, they would look back on a text like this. And after witnessing the resurrection of Jesus, they saw a sudden new relevance in this passage for Christians. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. So only those who have God's Spirit, only those who have had his Spirit breathed into them through hearing his word and being baptized, only they can say that they belong to Christ. And since the Spirit of Christ lives in us, we begin to live a new life, characterized by that same love and compassion that God has for us. And as a final result, when we die, even if we become dry old bones, our mortal bodies can be given life just like Jesus had on the third day. And so if we want that new life, a life so powerful from God that it surpasses death, we need to let his spirit be breathed into us. And that begins as he breathes out the word of life to us, which we're trying to read every day, Monday through Friday, prophesying to a dead world that we still have a chance at life.